So we've been talking about who we are and what we are about, specifically Living Stone, specifically this church. And hopefully week after week that I've taught through this, you know that we are about Jesus Christ. That that's it. That's where we stop. That's, that's who we are and that's who we're about. It's about Jesus Christ. And so as we continue in this, I want you guys, as I've said each week, to consider, do I want to be a part? Do I want to participate in what God is doing here in Living Stones and through Living Stones? And you have to know what you're getting into. And so that's my hope, is through these four, now five weeks, as it explained what you're getting into if you want to be a part, or if you are a part, to remember what you are into. The question that I've asked before is, are you willing to bind yourself with us? And specifically, are you willing to bind yourself in relationship with us? And week after week, you've probably heard this same theme about relationship. And, and it, Living Stone's relationships are foundational. All right? You'll hear me repeat that. You'll hear me, hear me teach that about relationships. Our mission focuses on being and making disciples who are in relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? Our vision is to reconcile or is to make right these relationships with Jesus Christ, with each other, with our neighbors. It's reconciling those relationships. And so as we talk about these relationships and we live that out, I just want to point back to a slide that I've shown before because there are, there are three different directions in which we live our relationships. The first one is up. It's gospel-driven. Right? That we would have this relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This relationship that we have up. And then the second, because we have that first relationship, is then in. Okay? In the church. Church-centered. We have these relationships with each other. And then the third direction is out. Not just church center, but we'd also be neighbor focused. Right? So we'd have these relationships going up, these relationships going in, the relationship going out. And so I want to talk through that a little bit today. Because you'll hear me repeat it over and over again if you hang around. And I think that so much of Scripture speaks to this as you read through the Bible, you'll see this repeatedly, these three relationships over and over again. And what I want to do is I'm going to use 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to talk about that today and, and we'll start to see these relationships develop. And then next week we'll get to our Living Stones verse. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. And we'll actually consider what in the world is a living stone. What does it mean to be like living stones? Alright, so that's next week. This week, I'll give you the context to that. And in that context, we'll start to see these relationships as we go through 1 Peter chapter 1. And so Peter is a book that was written by Peter. Okay? Peter was a disciple of Jesus Christ. He was someone who Jesus had called to follow him. He began to follow him. He walked with Jesus. He, he saw Jesus' ministry. He participated in Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry. He was there when Jesus was crucified. He was there when Jesus resurrected. And he was there as the church began and the church went out. 
and the church began to be established. So this is a man who knew about, who was intimate with Jesus Christ. And now he is writing this letter to the church, to the body, to a group of people that are trying as well to follow Christ. So let me show you at the very beginning of chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 3 through 4. I'll do that first in uh, English. And then Haiti will read it in Spanish. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And remember, this is context for this letter. Peter starts off, and in this passage, he starts off with God. God caused, it says, literally, He has caused us. He starts with God, as we've talked about before. God is the one that initiated. God is the one that's doing. God is the one that has pursued us. It begins with God. And he says, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. So God has produced in us this new living hope that we have inside of us that we did not have before. And this hope is living. It has power. It, it, it results in action. Okay, it's not dead. And it's also a hope. It's something that we have this expectation for what's going to happen. So it's this living hope for this expectation that we're waiting for, that we're hopeful for. And it's this time of when Jesus is going to come, when He's going to return, when He's going to restore all things, when He's going to make all things new. As we've talked about, He's going to restore all of these relationships. How is He going to do that? How is God going to restore these relationships? Anybody know? Through Jesus. Right? Look at the next part of the verse. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Right? God initiated, God gave us this hope, and God is doing that through Jesus Christ. He's doing that through Jesus and the work that Jesus did. He went to the cross, He died, He resurrected. Because of that, we have this hope. And it's a hope that's to an inheritance. It's a hope for the future. We're going to have this possession because now we are children of God, right? Now He's brought us into His family. And as His family, we have this inheritance that's coming to us. We're going to experience eternally restored relationship with God as His children. That's this living hope we have. But as you read this, you realize that the gospel, it's put us in process. Right? God did that in the past. And we have this inheritance in the future. The past, the future. What about everything in between? What about now? What about the present? How does the gospel impact us in the meantime, in between? We know God did that in the past. We know God has this inheritance in the future. But what about now? How are we supposed to live now? And how does the gospel impact us now? And as you continue to read the, the letter, 
And specifically verse 13 through 21. I can summarize that, right? Paul is telling them, be gospel driven. If you understand this gospel that he goes through and he explains, he explains our past, he explains our future, he says, so right now, be gospel driven. Let everything you do, let everything you think, be because of and connected to the gospel. Everything. Your entire life. Now we live life in relationships. Like he keeps talking about relationships. But do any of you guys live life outside of relationships? We all experience relationships. That's how we walk. That's how we live. But I want you to think about in our culture right now, what are the most intimate and what are the, the closest relationships we have in our culture? Who are they with? Family. So family, right? Everybody knows. I mean, when I was growing up and I was growing up in the church, I remember like there were two things that typically I got taught. I got taught how to defend my faith and I got taught to focus on the family. I mean, that most of what I understood and heard in church and learned, like, that's it. You got you to gotta know your faith. You got to know how to defend it and then you need to focus on the family. Because we spend a lot of time with our family. All of our interactions, our most frequent interactions, our closest interactions are with our family. My kids live with each other. They interact with each other more than they interact with anyone else. Karina has to deal with Mariana, Oran, and Alice more than she deals with me, more than she deals with her mom. All right? Like, they're, they're in her space. She's on the top bunk. Mariana and Annalise are below, and Oran's on a bed right over here. Like, they're in the same room. They sleep together. They wake up together. They get ready for school together. They're in the back of the van together. Whatever we do, like, they're, they're together. And, like... They're in each other's space. They're in close contact. And you might, you might think, well, wait, what about you know the time when they when they when they're away from each other? You know, they go to school. Well, next year I'll have my kids from kindergarten to eighth grade, all in the same school. And as I was talking to Karina this week. After Rebecca gave us a discounted Starbucks, she's telling me, I was in the bathroom yesterday at school, and this girl comes up to me and she starts to stare at me, and she's like, I'm at the sink and she's staring at me, and she goes, you're Mariana's sister. And she says, and then I, I walk out other times like, oh, you're Oran's sister. Right? She's at school. They're not around. They're in other classes. But yet, she's like, I'm known as Mariana's sister, Oran's sister. Right? You ask any of them, they know. Like, oh, those are the Fuller kids. They're together. They're related. They're connected. For better or for worse, they can't escape each other. Is it the same for us in the church? 
Is it the same for us? Like we're, we're, we're God's family. That's the way I understand this. Do we have those same type of consistent interactions? Those intimate relationships with each other. Do we realize like, that we are connected, that we represent each other, that even when we're not together, gathered together, like you represent the body, I represent the body, we're, we're connected even when we're apart. And I was made aware of this yesterday. I got home from graduation. We were going to the church or to the school picnic. And I look out my door and there's a, a tent for registration with the Livingstone's name on it. And everybody from the Browns group. Well, there were some that were working and they weren't sitting, but most people were sitting. And they're, they're wearing shirts like this. Right? Or it says La Luz. Okay? They're identifying like, okay, I am a part of Livingstones. They're there, they're under the tent, they're, they're registering kids for La Luz. They've got on t-shirts. What would it be like if we had to wear these shirts or wear a sign on us that said, I'm a part of Livingstones. Everywhere we went, every day, everything we did, uh, I'm with Livingstones. That's my family. We're connected, we're intimate. This is who we are. For better, for worse. Because I will tell you there are times when I choose not to wear this shirt. Right? What? Well, you know, well, I, I just don't want to... I just want to relax. I don't want to act like, you know, I mean, have to put on the face to make sure everybody knows well, I'm with the church. Can I just hide for a little bit and, so they don't quite know that I'm connected with all of y'all? You know, every once in a while I would just need a break from that. But I hope you guys you get that illustration. Like, do we choose to be a part of each other in relationships, in the church, in Livingstones, just when it's convenient? Do we choose to be part of those relationships uh, only in certain situations and only with certain people that I feel most comfortable with and that I'm willing to connect myself with? Or do we realize we're a family? Uh, we're in this together. That someone could come up beside you in the bathroom and say, oh, you're with Livingstones, right? You're a part of that family. I know you. I know your brothers. I know your sisters. I know you're a part of that. You're together. I've seen your relationships. I know you're connected. And so I want you guys to look to your left, look to your right, look behind you. This is not a suggestion. Literally look at each other. All right? Turn around. I mean, look at these people that you're in here with. If you're a part of Livingstones, if you're a part of this family, these are your brothers and sisters. These are your brothers and sisters. This is your family. That's what God's Word describes. That's what God explains. And that's the reality, but we tend not to live it out. 
And so as we read this today, I went through all that because I want us to understand Peter is writing to a church. He's writing to a family. He's writing to a group of people. And I can confess that I have read this so many times as he is writing to me. To me, an individual, me and my life, maybe me and my family, right? To live in my house, but not thinking about this as my family, my church. And he was writing to the church. And so the passage that I want to speak to and, and focus on, what I'm going to have us do, because this is written in English, and it's not proper English. And what I mean by that is you can't tell when it says you if it means you singular or you plural. And so I'm going to read it in proper southern English. Okay? Now, I understand that you don't need this in Spanish because Spanish identifies whether it's plural or singular. And so I'm going to read it in southern English and the Spanish, it's proper already. Okay? But what I want to, what I want to do, first I want to make you all feel uncomfortable. And so I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And as I read this, I want us to think about and perceive that this is to us a family. So what I want you to do is I want us all to be connected. So you know, I, I don't do this. You, you know, we don't require you to touch each other much, okay? But I want everybody to hold someone else's hand, okay? And then I want everybody to be connected. So like you guys up front, you can't be by yourself. You need to, Grace, go over to Naomi, grab a hand. Everyone be connected in some way, holding the hand of the person beside you. I, I know you guys can figure this out. <laughs> that was that was like record time. I'm really impressed. Okay, this, this feels different, right? A, a little more intimate? Whether you really want to be or not. Okay. So let me read this. And Haiti will read with me at the same time. And I'll read it in proper southern English. And you guys hear this as a family. Alright, verse 22 of chapter 1 through verse 1 of chapter 2. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flowers of grass. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Chapter 2. So, put away all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. 
It sounds different when you're looking at each other, right? Okay, you can let go of each other's hands. You can go back to your seats. So the big idea is that if we are gospel driven, then we have this ability, we're given this ability and we grow in our skill to be church-centered. All right, we're going to talk about that, that part of the triangle today, that side of it. So if we're gospel driven, if we have this relationship with Jesus Christ, then we have the ability, all of us have the ability to love one another. And then we also will grow in our skill to love one another if we're gospel-driven. All right. So let me walk through this passage and you'll see that. Starting with verse 22. What is it that gives us the ability to be church-centered? Jesus, right? It's the gospel. Look, it says here, it says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. It's this idea that we've been obedient to the gospel. We've been obedient to the truth of Jesus Christ. And it says that our, our souls have been made clean, right? They've been purified. So what does that mean? Well, it literally means like spiritually, this relationship, right, that we have with God, this vertical relationship, it's been made clean. It's been made right. Because of the gospel, because we've been obedient to the truth, then we can have this relationship with Jesus Christ. And to understand that, it was common in the Jewish faith, before they would go into the temple, right, where God was, they had to be cleansed. They had to prepare themselves. To be in God's presence, this holy God, they had to prepare themselves. They had to be cleansed. They had to be purified. They couldn't worship God if they weren't. What is it that makes us clean so that we can have this relationship with God, so that we can enter into His presence, so that we can worship Him? It's the gospel. It's that we've responded to this gospel this work of Jesus Christ. We've been purified and now we have that opportunity to have this relationship with God. We're clean. Our souls are clean. We can know Him. We can be before Him. We can enter into His presence. That's the reality because of what Jesus Christ has done. We've turned from ourselves and we've turned to Jesus. And if we don't begin with that, we can never get to the horizontal relationships. If we don't begin with our relationship with Jesus Christ, we can't get to our relationships with each other. You will not have the ability to be church-centered. You can try, you can try, you can try again and again and again, but you will not be church-centered if you are not gospel-driven. You will not be church-centered unless you have been obedient to the truth of the gospel. And again, we think of that individually. 
And we should think of that individually. But then we should also consider that collectively as a body, as a family. Because as this verse goes on, the immediate response, the immediate ability that it demonstrates if we're gospel-driven is for a sincere brotherly love. It says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, immediately into for a sincere brotherly love. We've been purified, right? Our souls have been purified. We have this relationship with God. That's been done to, for this brotherly love. That's immediate. The gospel changes us for this ability to love each other. Like, I'm just reading that. I'm like, really? Is that what that says? Like, it goes right to that? Like, so we've been made right with God for this, to be able to have this relationship with each other? Yes. It literally says Philadelphia. A family love. You've been purified for this family love. You have this relationship with God for this family love. You've been restored with God for this restoration with each other. You can't have one without the other. And you can see in the next slide. So remember, if you've been gospel-driven, then you're going to be church-centered. You've got to be gospel-driven before you're church-centered. That's how it comes. That's how it works. From being gospel-driven, we are church-centered. We have this family love. And it's genuine. It's sincere. It's real. And he says, so, continuing in verse 22, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. So since you have this genuine love for each other, this Philadelphia, he says, now go and love one another. Go agape. Okay, he changes the word. You have this brotherly love. Now go agape one another. Now go put the others before yourselves. You have this ability, so now go do it. Intentionally. Intensely. Love one another. You have it. Go do it. Are we loving one another here? Are we loving one another intensely and intentionally? And I don't mean just trying to get along. I don't mean limiting our interactions. Because if I stay with them longer, if I have a further conversation, like that's going to really be tough for me, so I'm going to go talk to somebody else. Intensely, intentionally. And you might think, okay, I know we're supposed to do this, but I sure don't feel like doing this. Sometimes I do with some people, but most of the times I don't feel like doing this. And so, is this ability that we have, is it something that's temporary? Is it something that fluctuates? It kind of goes up and goes down, and sometimes I can be church-centered, sometimes I can't. Sometimes I can love you guys, sometimes I can't. I would say very clearly no. The ability to be church-centered, it doesn't change. It doesn't fluctuate. The ability to love one another as a family is lasting. It's enduring. Look at verse 23. 
After he says to love one another, he says, since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. So since you have this relationship with God through the gospel, since this gospel is living, right, you have the power to love one another. You have the power to be church-centered. He says, since the gospel is abiding, this power remains. It doesn't go away. The gospel seed in your life, in your, it lives in you forever, in your ability to love one another, it lives forever. It continues, and it goes on, and it goes on. I'm like, well, I need an illustration for that. How am I going to explain that? Look at the next verse. Peter gives us an illustration. He says, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This word, God's word, this message to you, this gospel, it remains forever. It continues to go on. And because of this, this is the reason that you have this relationship that's been restored. And this is the power that you have to be church-centered, to love one another. It doesn't fade. It doesn't wither. It doesn't go away. You have the ability. I have the ability to love you. You have the ability to love me. He says, that's what we've preached to you. And if we're gospel-driven, we cannot remain the same. You can't stay the same. You're going to change. As you continue to be gospel-driven, you will slowly mature and you'll continue to grow in your skill to love one another. You have this ability, but if you continue to be gospel-driven, then you're going to grow in your skill to love one another. And you might say, what's the difference between the ability and the skill? Skills come from training, from experience, from practice. You might have the ability to play the guitar. But if you don't practice, you won't have the skill to play the guitar. You might say, I, I'm terrible at relationships. I'm terrible at, at interacting with other people. I don't do relationships well. And I would ask you, do you practice relationships? Do you practice loving one another? Because if we don't practice that, we're not going to love each other well. But I promise, if you are gospel-driven, if you've been restored with Jesus Christ, you have the ability to love each other. We have that ability. It is a supernatural ability. It is not of yourself. It is not of your personality. It is not of what's natural to me. I have a supernatural ability to love you because I know God. Because I have been obedient to the truth of the gospel and God has changed me and He is transforming me. And I have this ability. But we have to practice it. And we are going to practice that if you're a part of Living Stone. We're going to be in relationship with each other. 
we're going to work to love each other. We're going to practice that skill. And I will tell you that we will not do it perfectly and we will not get to the place where we do it perfectly all the time. But we're going to continue. And we're going to continue. And we're going to practice. Again and again and again. And I will tell you that anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Honestly, if it is worth doing, then we'll do it poorly and we'll continue to do it and we'll continue to do it and God will change us. Just because we stink at it doesn't mean we're going to stop. Karina says, I can't play the guitar. I'm like, you've been practicing for a week. You guys are like, oh, I can't love those are sitting next to me that I just held hands with what effort have you made well I tried once and I didn't do it I can't love you love I can't love those people we can't say that we have to continue on we have to develop those relationships And so he says in verse 2, put away all. As we start to practice, he says, put away all. And before I read the list of all the things, I don't want to miss that word, all. Because the gospel will impact all of your life. And it should, and it will, if you allow it, impact all of your relationships. All of them. If you guys have ever had a, someone important over for dinner, somebody you haven't seen in a long time, in my house at least, there's this crazy mad rush before they arrive. There's, there's screaming, there's shouting, there's... Directions being given, things are flying everywhere. Making last minute preparations and, and typically back to our bedroom in the back, right? We're, we're throwing things back in there, right? Everything that was in the den. I remember when we had been hanging out with the Browns when we first started the church. And we would go over there and I was like, their house was clean. And, and they have, you know, four kids and it's pretty crazy. And after a few times and a few months, we come over one day and the house is a wreck. And Bonnie says, Britt, we've given up trying to get everything in order before you guys come over. She's like, this is what our house looks like and this is what it's going to look like and we're not going to be cleaning it up anymore when you come over. She's like, we're to that point in our relationship. Right? Back in my house, we're ready, dinner's on the table, it's coming off the oven, they walk in. Now imagine that you're having Jesus over. It's not somebody important, it's Jesus. And now Jesus is coming up my stairs at Lanark Park, majestic soul. He opens the door, everything's in perfect order, and the smells of the homemade Mexican on the stove is just it's coming in it's like wow this is incredible my kids are lined up they're all smiling they're not arguing with each other they're not fighting 
And we said, Jesus, come, come in, let's sit down on my sofa. Let's just hang out, let's talk. The kids get up, start to set the table. You can hear the music in the background. It's just, it's just great. Jesus sits down like the meal is excellent. He's like, this is authentic Mexican. This is good. I think that's his favorite food, by the way. Sorry. sorry. And then Jesus gets done. He says, well, let's walk, and I'd like to see the rest of the house. I said, okay, here's the bathroom. And here's my kid's bedroom. That looks good. And he's like, well, what's behind this door here that's closed? I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not going in there, Jesus. We go and we look at the rest of the apartment. And he says, but I want to go back to that room where the door was closed. I'm like, no, no, no. You don't get to go in there. That's where things are out of order. That's where things are messy. That's where I've separated those things. I want you to be out here in the rest of the house. I've got this room that's reserved for me, and that's reserved for the things that I don't want anyone else to see or know about. Jesus says, I want in. I want to be in every room. I want to go everywhere in your life. I want to see it all. I want to see it all transformed. I want to be a part of every place, of every issue, of everything that's out of order. And now think about that with our relationships. I'll have this relationship. I'll have that relationship. But that individual over there? Nope, nope, nope. Not going there. Jesus, you're not coming into this relationship with that individual in the church. I'll just keep my distance. I'll close the door. I'll try not to interact. You're not going to go there. We do the exact same thing, right? That we do in our hearts. We do the exact same thing with each other. Jesus wants to go into every relationship. He wants you to open the door. He wants you to let him in. He wants access. And if you are gospel-driven, I promise you have the ability to love that person, to love each other in those relationships. You have it. We don't believe it, and so we don't enter in. We don't believe it, so we don't try. We don't practice. We don't experience it. We just avoid it and say, no, God, you're not big enough. The gospel is not amazing enough to change this. This is the one thing. You can't change that. You can't restore that. Not that relationship, not that person. And Jesus says, no, we're going back to that room. I want to go back in that door. Let's deal with that relationship. And so he says, put off or put away. He says, all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. That's a, that's a long list of, of things. And honestly, I have to look some of them up. I mean, I got an idea what they're about, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. So let me give you a very uh, a more simple way to say that. This is from the uh, contemporary English version. It's just more straightforward. But I think for this passage, the intent is there. It says, stop being hateful. Quit trying to fool people and start being sincere. Don't be jealous or say cruel things about others. Put that away. Enter into those relationships and practice by putting these things away. And this external demonstration will be 
will reveal what's going on internally, what's, what's showing the purification of your soul, showing that you have this relationship with God. I have this relationship with God. I'm going to enter into these things. I'm going to put these things away. And what I think is interesting is this list of words. It's not the typical spiritual things we talk about. It's not the typical, what, at least what, what I grew up saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. These things that, like, by my own self-control, I'm going to try and fix, I'm going to try and change in my life. It's, it's not that list. It's not stop cursing, stop lying. It's not stop all your cheating, stop all your addictions, and be holy. But in this passage, he says, everything that we're to put away has to do with our relationships with each other. Just put those things away. Because I'm talking to you, family. I'm talking to you, church. I'm talking about your relationships that you have because you have a relationship with me. So put those things away. So how are you doing loving each other in this body? Have you deceived someone in the body acting like you're something when you're not? Have you envied someone else in the body? Wishing you were in their situation or had what they had? Have you talked negatively about someone to make yourself feel better here in the body? He says, put those things away. We have to put those away. And we can put those away if we focus on God. We have to put off the things that keep us from loving one another. And we do that by being gospel-driven. It's that simple. If Jesus Christ is first, if that relationship is first, we're going to have the ability and He's going to grow us in the skill to love one another. And as I say over and over again, I hope that you see this is all about Jesus. That I desire for us to be gospel-driven. I desire for Him to be the priority. I desire for Him to transform everything in us. And as He does that, then we're going to love one another. And that only becomes because we've experienced the love of Jesus. That's how we love each other.